Amen. So Genesis chapter 6, uh, we are a pretty popular chapter because things are, uh, things are in really rough shape on the earth as we're going to read. And uh, the earth is so far out of control that the Lord is about to tell Noah that he's wiping everything clean, that he's, he's going to destroy everything that's living, and uh, that he's, he tells Noah to build the ark and get a, a pair of each of everything that creep, that walks on the earth and the birds of the air uh, and get in the ark. So that's where we're at. I think everybody here is, is familiar with, with, the, with the Bible account. I, I struggle to call Bible accounts stories because sometimes that – I remember Will years ago talking about that. And uh, you know, with kids, when you say a story, they may think, oh, this is a fictional story. You know, um, and uh, it, where it's a Bible account, this is a historical account that we're studying. So uh, I might slip up from here, you know, time to time, but uh, the goal is to not do that. So uh, Genesis chapter six, verse one says, now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters of and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they of all whom they chose, so uh, mankind is increasing. So when we, we're going to look at the sons of God and the daughters of men, I uh, listened to uh, one pastor and he goes, "The sons of God, whoever they are, and the daughters of men, whoever they are." And I like that because this scripture we're getting into can be something. Shane and I had the opportunity to talk about this last night, but it's uh, this is this is a scripture that can. Um, confuse people. So uh, as we get into this a little bit further, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But what we're going to understand when we get into verses three and four is that this is a uh, this is an uh, ungodly intermarrying uh, that's happening here between the sons of God and the daughters of men. Uh, so mankind's increasing. Uh, there are long lifespans. So lots of children are being born. If you think of the women, the childbearing years are you know, here I don't I don't know when that all starts shutting down, but I keep hearing people say when people are in when women are in their mid thirties or so, you know, things start slowing down. It might be a little harder uh, to uh, to conceive. Uh, either way, uh, we know that at this time still had we talked about the water canopy and you know lives were going nine hundred and fifty years, Methuselah nine hundred sixty nine years. You know, so uh, either way, as time was progressing, more and more people were being born. And uh, we see here that, you know, just people getting married isn't something that's going to uh, make, as the Lord says in verse three, as it says here, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for indeed he is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Uh, and there were giants on the earth in those days and afterwards, and those and when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. So just people getting married isn't going to make uh, the, the Lord uh, be at the point where he says, I'm not going to strive with people from this point on, from 120 years from this point. Uh, they're going to have time to repent, and if they don't, then it's going to be the end of them that we see by the end of the chapter. So uh, there's an ungodly marriage that's happening here, and uh, it's uh, it, there's a strong emphasis that that that's what's being pushed here. So if you look at uh, an example of an ungodly marriage uh, or an unequally yoked marriage, uh, it would be you know it's listed in Second Corinthians six fourteen it says, "Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers." Uh, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? So it's a it's a warning there. So if we're thinking, you know, of, of today in this in this world that we're living in, a Christian should not be marrying a non-Christian. Uh, what happens there is they're unequally yoked, and we've talked about what the yoke would be. You put the yoke on on uh, two animals that would be plowing something, and when you've got one that's super strong and one that's not, that one's just going to be drag the the stronger one's going to be dragging the other one along, but eventually that weight is going to uh, drag down the stronger one, and uh, things are going. You know, just think of the logistics of that. You know, you're trying to plow in a straight line, and it's going off, and you know things that, and, and it's exhausting, and uh, then it, it just drains both of them. 
And uh, so when we think of unequally yoked, so there's an example of, of an ungodly uh, situation that, you know, that, that somebody who's a Christian uh, marrying somebody who's not a Christian hasn't submitted their life to Christ. Because what are you going to do on Sunday? You're going to get up and come to, to church by yourself. They're going to stay home. Uh, that's that's the likely uh, the likely likely outcome. Sometimes you know they may just come because their husband or wife is is saved and walking with the Lord. But uh, so when we look at this, it says the son uh, the sons of God and the daughters of men. We don't know exactly who uh, are are the sons of God are and who the daughters of men are. But uh, there are biblical arm arguments uh, for multiple different stances on this. Uh, so we'll we'll get into uh, the three that I've always heard presented and that I've uh, in my study found, and I'll present that to you. And if you want to dig into it more, feel free. Uh, this is one of those things where I, I don't mean it to sound bad, but I, not that I don't want to understand the scripture. But I also, if the Lord's silent on any commentary on it, I'm just going to move on. You know, if the scripture's silent on it, I'm just going to move on because I might drive myself crazy doing it, trying to figure those things out. So it's not that I don't care about it, but I just I don't see. To me, I, I see that I can gain more in my life on the things that I can learn and I can understand in the scripture. So, the three views on this uh, that I've found and I've I've ever heard taught and that I've seen in any commentaries or anything, the three are and there's really no way to know what's uncertain uh, is certain, but. Uh, it's one of those things. One is the sons of God would be those of Seth's line, uh, uh, the Seth's lineage, and that the daughters of men would be of the lineage of Cain. Where uh, so the sons of God and the daughters of men, uh, where Cain would be one that would be viewed as somebody who is ungodly. Cain uh, and with Seth being born uh, as uh, what we see later on in the lineage. Uh, that that he is he is listed in the genealogy of Christ. So uh, that that's one argument. Uh, so a uh, really, if you if you look into Deuteronomy seven, uh, I'll, I'll read a, a few verses to you. And uh, there's there's a lot unanswered here, but I'll do my best to try to get through this and, and make it. Uh, make it clear so that we understand the three. So Deuteronomy 7 provides a glimpse into the possibility that this could be accurate as it reveals God's displeasure with the sinful uh, and uh, the directions provided to the righteous You know, are very clear. Do not intermarry with them. That's, that's what's said in, in Deuteronomy 7. So, uh, like I said, it leaves uh, too much unanswered. And, you know, um, why would God get so angry and wipe everybody out over this? But what we'll see is there's, there's a lot more, but this is the introduction to what's going on here. Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 through 4 says, When the Lord God brings you into the land which you are to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, and the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. When the Lord God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. The, this is the, the, the part that I have underlined. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show them mercy, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughter to their son, nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So, the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. So we know that the Lord is, is saying there that the godly uh, should not marry the ungodly, that that, that person uh, may lead you astray uh, spiritually. There's the strong chance that that's going to happen. Uh, so we're called uh, not to be unequally yoked, and, and we we can look into that uh, and, and see we just covered 2 Corinthians uh, 6.14 about being unequally yoked, uh, that they might have put that up there I don't know but uh, so so that would be the first one is that that we have a, a line and lineage that was serving God and one that was serving man and that those two got together and it was creating uh, havoc within uh, people's relationships with God and and uh, families were were uh, being torn because you know mom or dad was you know following the Lord and this one wasn't so there's there's that view. The second view is that the sons of God, now understand there are scriptures to, to support each of these, and that's why people hold to these. Uh, I, I, I don't necessarily hold uh, 
personally to any of uh, any of these very strongly uh, because it's it's just I just see this one one argument for for my belief staying here is uh, that there's there isn't enough to uh, really in in all of these to convince me otherwise that I should take it other than how it's it's literally written that it's the sons of God don't know who they are the daughters of men don't know who they are but there was there was stuff in there that wasn't pleasing to the Lord uh, that's that's a little easier for me to uh, personally process uh, the second one is that the sons of God are angels. So uh, there's, uh, I heard uh, one pastor, Damian Kyle, say there's nothing in the scripture uh, to, that, that, that speaks of angels as sexual beings. So that would be one reason to not, under, not go along with that understanding, is that they're, they're not described as sexual beings. Uh, you know, Jesus stated that there aren't marriages in heaven. Uh, Matthew 22, 30 says, For in the resurrection... They neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. So that they're, that, and I'll read that again. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. So that would that would lend to uh, that you know on one side that well angels aren't presented uh, as sexual beings that they would that they would reproduce. Uh, it would also tend lend to well, if angels you know, are sexual beings, then and Jesus is saying that they don't get married, then it would it would lead to a suggestion that heaven is full of sexual promiscuity that doesn't match up with the character of God and and the rules that He placed here that one one man and one woman would have that union in marriage. So those two things, as you put those things together. Um, uh, those are those are things to consider here. Uh, some more verses for you. Jude chapter, uh, well, Jude uh, verses six and seven says, "And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in sorry, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day." As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner, manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, uh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So some may read that and go, so angels, this does speak of angels and, and that they, they could have had that relationship. Uh, so it, it, what we see here is there. Uh, the, if you put that all together, speaking of an unnatural sexual union, you know, remember how things ended for say, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, not all that well. Uh, so uh, putting those things together, a third argument that I uh, argument stance uh, I'll say uh, is that demons, when they saw women and they knew that there was a seed coming that they devised a plan to create a superior race. So they would, they would possess a, uh, the, the, cause we were talking about giants here, right? Uh, they would possess those that are large, strong, and smart. And then they would, that they would find a woman that m met up with those, that same criteria, large, strong, and smart. And that, that they would create a, a, uh, a, race that could dominate and intimidate. Uh, so that's that's one thing that's been put forward that that they were trying to impregnate women so that they uh, they could rule and reign by power and intimidation uh, uh, or that they would intermarry and, and kind of wound into this was that they would intermarry to try to pollute the gene pool to destroy the coming seed uh, in turn. Um, uh, you know, the human race. So you see that all three, and I'm not done with this one, but you see that all three of these, somebody, somebody can get very confused by all these. Um, it's, it's very hard sometimes where the scripture doesn't lend much more about this to really dive in and, and take a dogmatic stance and say, it's this, or it's this, or it's this. People can make the argument, but then on the other side, well, there, there's this argument also. So uh, my encouragement to you is don't let this be a division, uh, something that would divide you. I, um, uh, Oliver and I, on I think it was Sunday morning after service, we were just kind of talking, and he was talking about ministering to some people. And, 
and we were talking about, and he brought up, uh, you've heard the term, you know, uh, choose your hill. To, you know, uh, is this the hill you're going to die on? You know, is this this going to be the ultimate thing that you're going to you're you're willing to to lose your argument over, uh, or or to that that you're maybe going to cut off a relationship with somebody or those things. So there are certain things that we need to make that stance on. You know, it, it is Jesus Christ God in the flesh? That's one. You know, uh, is do we believe in the Trinity? That's another one. You know, so if I, hopefully that makes sense. This here. I would highly encourage you not to let this be one of those things that divide us. Uh, okay, you believe this, I believe this, here's why, great. Okay, you know what, we can agree to disagree. This isn't an essential of our faith. All we know is that something about the marriages that were happening here displeased the Lord. So to finish out this uh, this stance, uh, and I planned on this only being five or ten minutes, and here I am. So, uh, so either way, so going along the line of demon-possessed man, they're trying to create a superior race or to pollute uh, the gene pool. Uh, Job 1.6 identifies angelic beings that are in the presence of the Lord. Uh, so Job 1.6 says, Now they there was a day when the sons of God came to the, uh, present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along with them. And we're not going to go into sons of God and Satan being God's presence very, very quickly. We can see that they do have access to God, uh, that demonic beings, uh, fallen angels. Uh, 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 it is, you know, when you read Job and you're like, wow, why would Satan have access to God and uh, and 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 uh regular angels uh, that haven't fallen, that, that there, there is some action, there, there's, there's interaction happening. And uh, Job chapter two, verse one says, and again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came along, uh, came, also came along to present themselves before uh, the Lord. Job 38, seven says, when the morning, so this is speaking of uh, when, when the angels witnessed creation, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So when they witnessed creation. So sons of God. So do you see how people, you know, looking at the scriptures, uh, I, I have seen uh, from uh, pastors that I, I love and trust make a hard stance in one area. Other pastors I love make another stance. Then I'm like, oh, you know what? This commentary for years has blessed me. And this says this. I just wanted to present all three to you. Take them with you. Do what you want. If you want, need to remember them all, look it up on Facebook and go through them. Dive into it yourselves. Look in. For me, uh, I, I, this isn't something that I'm personally caught up on. I think sometimes we get through things, and maybe in the scripture that that, that are, are going to grab our hearts a little bit more or our minds a little bit more than things. This is a very little thing for me uh, personally, but it might be a big thing for you. So I just wanted to present them. Uh, it would be wrong, I believe, of me just to present one way and start moving forward uh, because uh, you probably hear from somebody else and be like, how come this one's saying this? It's it, Sometimes there are differing opinions. We don't know. There, there's, there's not a lot. I see biblical examples for all three of them. And I, I presented everything that I could find in the scripture. Uh, and there you go. So we're going to move forward. Uh, I say that. And uh, then I. Um, no. Okay. I'm not going to do that. Uh, verse three. So the Lord says in verse three. It says, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. So this isn't speaking that, uh, that mankind will not live more than 120 years, but that uh, that current population was there, had 120 years to repent while Noah built the ark. That's, that's what that's saying. So the flood happened 120 years after this declaration. Psalm 90 verses 9 and 10 says, For all of our days have passed away in your wrath. We finished our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength, they are 80 years. Yet, uh, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So 70, 80 years, as uh, what was written in Psalm 90, is usually what mo what we can, you know, if you look at an average life and, and, and average it out, uh, some, some uh, I think some uh, 
populations or or groups may live longer or shorter. But when we see that, you know, an average year, uh, average years of life would be seven. What I like in the old uh, the old English and the King James is uh, three score and ten is what it says for seventy. So. 70 or 80 years. Now, when we see that the Lord is saying this, that he will no longer strive with man, but it'll be 120 years, think of the long-suffering and patience of the Lord as we consider that. Uh, we understand and we know that the, that the Lord uh, said uh, in Ezekiel 33, 11, that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, and he gave them 120 years to repent. We know from reading the rest of this chapter, 7 and 8, they didn't. So, uh, when the Lord says they have 120 years, then we know that he was long-suffering. Uh, verse 4 says there explains that there were giants on the earth in those days, men of renown. So uh, as you look at these, uh, some may uh, come to a conclusion that, well, those giants were the result of these, uh, these relationships between angelic beings and and uh, and humans, so uh, it, it may speak to that demonic element that uh, what was going on there, the mixing of the two that would produce unusually stronger and, and bigger beings. So uh, that might lend to uh, one of the second and third stances that we discussed. So hopefully this all is about as clear as mud as we're going through this. So uh, hopefully it makes sense and hasn't confused anybody, but we can't just skip over it. And, and I don't want you guys leaving here sh scratching your head like, John didn't cover this. You know, believe me, there are some times where I go, you know what, I really wish I didn't have to dive into that just because I, I think I might have to spend too much time on it. Or uh, sometimes it's hard that I have an understanding and being able to explain that understanding to spit it out, you know, is it, sometimes difficult, but uh, we'll progress uh, through the scripture here. Genesis chapter six, verse five. Then the Lord, Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent of the hearts of his, uh, of uh, sorry, in every intent of the thoughts of his heart were was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, "I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things, and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made." So when it says back in verse 5 that the Lord saw, it's not that he wasn't aware already. It wasn't like God was was busy doing something and, oh, you know, hey, what's happened over the last 1,600 years? Oh, hey, you know, there's only, you know, wicked and evil things and, and every thought being, and that's not the case at all. But the current state had grown and there was no repentance, that all, all this stuff it would, it was continuing to grow. Now, uh, you've heard me quote this scripture, but it, it it does apply here uh, where it's uh, where we can see where the wickedness of man comes from. Remember on Sunday, we talked about that uh, when, when Jesus was saying defilement doesn't come from what we take, bring into our body, but what comes out of our body, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Jeremiah 17, Jeremiah 17 verses nine and 10 say, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord search the heart, and I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. But that says here, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Our sinful hearts, human hearts, are desperately wicked. You know, if we follow our hearts, that's where we end up. Where, where mankind follows their own will, look what happens. This is, it's, it's a natural, instead of progression, digression of mankind. The, uh, I hate the word evolution, and I hate to use it, but it's the de-evolution of what is happening. And I don't mean evolution from a, a creation, the evolution standpoint, but there isn't any growth happening. It's just a complete nosedive off the cliff, uh, morally, is what's happened here. And when the Lord has seen, and it, what it says here, that the Lord saw the wickedness of man uh, was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were, was only evil continually. That's a bad place. You know, sometimes we may struggle occasionally, but only evil continually, very, very bad. That is a desperate place to be. So it's grown so much, and it's now in the state of, you know, wickedness, uh, a, a man that has uh, was great in all the earth so that uh, really 
I, I have the, the words capitalized on here. Every intent of their heart was only evil continually. Everything. Only evil continually. It wasn't like, oh, hey, you know what? That was wrong. It was, yeah, it was wrong. And it, 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 what is wrong? No, that's right. And they're redefining things and just fall right, like what we're dealing with right now. Yep. I, uh, it's, uh, what, what is right and wrong? We don't know. And uh, according to uh, those that hold those, um, those specific, um, you know, beliefs. And uh, look where we get. Mass confusion and, and everything's out of control. So God had had it at this point. Is, is really, when, if we're looking at it now, is God is, is tired of what's happening. So you can't, it's, it's hard to look at this and not figure out that when multi, men multiply, so does sin. <laughs> That's what it is. Men are multiplying, and so does violence, sexual sin, depravity of man's heart. Just is going to, the more people there are, the, the, the more uh, sin can be expected. And, you know, when there's, if you think of a group of people, when there's more people there, there's the potential for more sin. Uh, this is true in small groups and long, uh, large groups. And it uh, made me think, you all know I work at a college, right? When there's a small group of, uh, there's a remnant of kids. When everybody else has gone home for the summer and there's a small group there that might be there for, you know, uh, an extra few weeks or whatever. And my, this was my first summer there. And they're like, oh, this group of kids, don't even worry about them. They're great. And you know what? We never had a problem with them the whole time they were there. The biggest problem was they might go into like a day room and they wouldn't like clean up a, a, a food wrapper or something. Or, you know, they'd leave the, the furniture moved around because they were all kind of they, – they'd all hung out together and stuff. When you introduce the other 900, <laughs> things get busy quick <laughs> because we've got a whole bunch of more sinful people showing up. And the problems get more serious and they, they, they multiply. So just think about it. As people are increasing, the problems are getting worse. So I, I want to share a scripture, Matthew 24, verses 37 through 39. Jesus speaking, but as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know that the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. It was an instant. You know, they, they were all just doing their things. Noah is taking his time. We know that it was an extended period of time when we're talking about 120 years. And uh, it, that it took him to build that. And uh, as he's building that, you know, I'm sure there were probably some, oh, this guy's crazy over here. You know, what's he doing? He's building an ark. And, you know, uh, because when we when we see here, we're going to learn from a scripture that that Noah w was a preacher. And uh, so we'll, we'll get into that also. But uh, just understanding they had no idea of what was coming. They were just eating, drinking. They were just doing all their things. And and the flood came unexpectedly. And Jesus said that he will come unexpectedly at the time we're not looking. Yeah, maybe a Tuesday, you know, 9.15 break, you know, or whatever. And, you know, you're ready to go get your, you know, soda and sit down and talk about the Sunday night, Monday night football. Oh, I said, I said Tuesday, right? So it'd be a Monday night football game or whatever. And uh, guess what? Gone. You know, that, that may be the case. Um, 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 through 5 says this, but know this, that in the last days, so as we're considering the sin, so these people aren't thinking about God. They're not thinking about how their sin, their sin might be uh, bringing judgment upon themselves. They're just doing all their things, and then all of a sudden judgment comes. Think about the world today, where we're at. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Have nothing to do with them. Because what happens 
What, what are we seeing here that's brewing uh, in, uh, as, as Noah is given this is that the people that have that mindset, their end is coming. They're coming. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. It might be 200 years. It might be by the end of this service. We have no idea. But we're called to be ready. And what does the scripture say? And this whole list of people, don't hang out with these people. You know, modern day English would be like, do not spend time with these people. These are the people that are not going to be good influences on our lives. We should not be these people and we shouldn't be hanging out with those people. Does that mean we shun them and never talk to them? No, but we shouldn't be making it a habit to, to spend our time with people that are of, that are like this, of these, this that word of this ilk. I don't even know where that came from, but I, I understand it now. But heard it a lot recently, so I just figured I'd share it. Um, <laughs> so that's a long list that I don't want to be included in. And these are the when you think of everything that was going on, it's all here. You know, in the last days, this was the last days for them, and. I have to know, and, and we, I have to assume that looking through here, it's, it just says that every thought, every thought, they were, their wickedness and every thought uh, was, was evil, continuously. It's a bad spot. So it's undeniable when we look at the world now, um, and, and uh, just to, to think that the, the end isn't coming at some point. We know it's closer than it was 2,000 years ago. When, uh, you know, John or Peter or Paul were writing and they were like, hey, look up. We don't know. You know, it might be right now. It, it, you know, those things. But as they're writing, they're telling the church to be prepared. We're because 2000 years we're closer. But I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be. Anybody who says they do is wrong. But what I can what I can tell you is that for us, when we see what's happening in the world, and we, you know, look at some of the end time prophecy, uh, you know, you're looking at Ezekiel 38, Matthew 24 and, and, and what we're just reading right here. It's time to look up <laughs> because the world is absolutely nuts. You know, everything I at work, I, you know, I, I sit at a computer for a portion of the day and I turn it on and, and my, my homepage is a news as a news page. And I, I, I try not to look at it because I'm, I'll get so upset at whatever it is, but it's just constant. And I'm like, can it get any worse? Can that get any worse? How did that happen? You know, and, and it's just it's awful. So when we see that wickedness and evil uh, w was continual, it's it's crazy. So just think now when you're considering verses six and seven, the wickedness and the evil continually of the what's happened in the time from Adam and Eve in the garden until what's happening here. Uh, just around 1,600 years, and uh, mankind's relationship with God went from you know spending time with it. Remember when Adam and Eve saw uh, heard the Lord coming they were familiar with him they were familiar with the sounds so that's when they hid in the cool of the day when he's walking there they were they would spend time with God and they were in a paradise that the Lord set them in you know they and eventually they they disobey the Lord they sin and uh, they get evicted from from the Garden of Eden as a result of their sin then we read of Cain killing his brother Abel I read of Lamech killing the young man in the fight. You know, sin had spread and permeated everyone's lives and hearts is what we're seeing here. Is it all started with that. With that. And, and as, as I've said before, none of us would have done any different. We, we, we would have, it, we're sinful men and women. That's just what we are. You know, so for us to go, well, if Adam and Eve would have just, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, it's just, it is what it is, you know, and, uh, it, we see what's happened. So uh, you know, the situation uh, didn't surprise the Lord, uh, as we read uh, what we read through in verses, uh, you know, five through seven, where it says that it saddened the, you know, that the Lord regretted. The situation didn't surprise the Lord, but it saddened him. Uh, saddened him. You know, it didn't. Uh, it's not like the Lord called an executive meeting in heaven, like, okay, we got a big problem here. Uh, I need ideas and everything. The Lord knew what was happening. He knew what was going on. So it saddened him and it grieved his heart. So, you know, just think, think of that, that, that the Lord, when he made Adam and Adam's lifeless body is laying there and then he, he breathed the breath of life into Adam and he's alive now. And then the, the Lord's spending time with Adam and the Lord is bringing animals to Adam and he's like, all right, let's name them all. What are you going to call this one? What are you going to call this one? 
what are you going to call this one? I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, just, just watching and, and spending that time with Adam that it's now here and, and things are so bad, you know, that the, the heart of God is, is now grieving. Uh, he knew that uh, it had grown so bad and, and that it was time for things uh, to end because they were, they, they were beyond uh, a, a point of repentance. Genesis 6, 8. So what we've read here so far is that the, you know the earth is in a, a very bad position, and uh, that every every person's uh, thoughts were evil continuously, and uh, it, it was just bad. Verse eight, uh, verse eight of Genesis six say, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. All of those things are are happening here, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The word but. The Bible is full of contrasts. You look through, you start reading about the kings. You know, this king was was doing great. And then he, along comes his son after he dies. This one, but this one, you know, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And he lived like 15 days. or You know, and some of them are really short. And then some of them were long. And uh, evil, evil or good. It wasn't that all the evil ones only lived a short life or whatever. But the word, the contrast words in the scripture are so important for us to look at. Slow down when you see them. But, however, although, you know, uh, although this, this happened, you know, even, you know, when, when you're looking through, when we see those, those words of contrast, it's, there's this happening, but this and it's important to understand there's there's an opposite happening here. So the, the scriptures, uh, you know, full of those. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, what we see is that sin is abounding. What does Romans 5.20 tell us? Where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, especially in the life of Noah. So what we see is he's surrounded by sin, but we understand something as we continue to read about Noah. He didn't participate in all that. He walked with the Lord. Was Noah perfect? No, but he walked with the Lord. That's why it says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It wasn't that Noah was found perfect in the eyes of the Lord, so God had to protect him. No, it's Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is what we want from the Lord. We want God's grace. Noah experienced God's grace. He found grace in the so that we, we understand here. I, I, I know everybody here well enough that you understand the definition or, or what grace means, receiving what we don't deserve. So verses 9 and 10 speak very highly of Noah, Noah's character, um, but it was God's grace that was needed still. It wasn't Noah was found perfect, so the Lord told him to you know, build a boat. It was he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he walked with the Lord, but he wasn't without sin. We'll see that uh, he does uh, something foolish in, in uh, Genesis 9, things that, um, that they shouldn't do. But uh, Genesis uh, 9, we'll, we'll get there later. But just understanding Noah was not perfect. Uh, verse nine. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons: Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So Noah's character uh, he, he he was he was just a man, perfect in his generations. Uh, imagine the things that he saw in his generations. Can you imagine as Noah's progressing uh, in in his life? What he had seen, what he experienced, the things that he had seen in his neighbors' lives, the things that he had heard of, you know, when you get the, you know, the, 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 the news stone, you know, people were running around, they got stone, great, just joking. But, uh, you know, they, when, when he would hear the news of what's going on, you know, how that would have disheartened him. And what we know, what we know of Noah, is uh, recorded in the scriptures that he walked with God. Again, as we talked about last week, uh, you know, let this be said of us and understand that the benefits uh, in this life and in the next, when we walk with the Lord, far exceed anything the sinful society can have to offer us. We know we've seen people come here and and be in fellowship with us and then leave to return to a life of sin. Unfortunately, do we judge them? No. Do we pray for them? Absolutely. When we see them, do we extend God's grace to them? Yes. Do we start hanging out and doing the same thing they're doing? No. Right? But we know and we can be faithful to share. You know the end of this. 
some of these people that left and went that way lost their lives. They paid the ultimate physical price and died. We saw them leave. We're, you know, we're sinners. They were sinners. We're no greater than them, but because of God's grace and mercy, we are where we are. And we're walking with the Lord. We've made that decision to, to follow God. When there's the turning back, ugh, awful. There's, there's nothing There's nothing that this world has to offer us that's uh, uh, going to offer us a better life than walking with the Lord. Look what walking with the Lord did for him. Because he was seeking the Lord, he and his family were spared the destruction that was coming. That's enough for me right there. You know, in a sinful and, and wicked generation, he, com he remained committed to walking with the Lord. He did. Noah did. Uh, second Peter, I, I, I said that we were going to talk about him being a preacher of righteousness. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says um, that God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness. Bringing in the uh, bringing in the flood on the uh, sorry bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So, uh, preacher that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So we don't we don't you know read a whole lot of that there. But when you start putting scriptures together, we learn a lot more about about Noah's character and who he was. When Peter is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that Noah it was a preacher of righteousness, it wasn't that he just walked with the Lord. He also spoke the word of God and preached righteousness to an unrighteous world. We can look at this and go, with, not in pride. I've, I've seen it, and I know I've explained it. I've seen it, uh, and I, I told you guys it was the, the sandwich guy, the sandwich board guy in, in uh, New Orleans. Um And I went to have a conversation because he's got that there. He's got the blow horn there. He's preaching repentance. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go up and say hi. He had no, he didn't want to have a conversation with me. What if I was there like, hey, I actually want to repent right now. He didn't even acknowledge that I was talking to him. Was he on drugs? I don't know. But if he's just taking the stance of, I'm, you know, I, I'm here and I'm preaching and I, I want this whole world to be destroyed. That's not the love of God. He's he's not he's not portraying the love of God. Uh, another another work trip was in Denver, and I told you guys this also. Sorry for the broken record, but um, and we were talking about the, the guy walking down the the 16th or 17th Street Mall. I can't remember which one it is. 16th Street Mall, just standing, and it was it was scary to witness. Big guy, arms out. It was one, he's one of those guys that when he puts his arms out, his arm like bent out, so it was like rubber rubber elbows or something. He's like, repent, and he's like walking right at people. People are getting out of the way. That is not preaching, right? It, yes, you know what? In a in a in a great group of people, we might say, I, I don't know. It might be a right thing to do. Uh, having a, 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 you know conversations with with brothers of you know what. I was in a public meeting and somebody stood up and said this and I stood up and opposed them instantly and said, that's not what the word of God says. You know, there, there may be the right time to do that. And the Holy Spirit within us is going to be, but we shouldn't be walking around just trying to make heads roll. That's not what we're called to do. Christ came to save, seek and save that which was lost. We need to be preaching righteousness. Hey, Walk away from that because it's going to destroy your life and the lives of everyone around you. I don't want that for your life. You know, turn, follow Christ. That's 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 a way to preach righteousness. Sometimes it's a little more stern. We may need to correct in public or whatever it is. But what we see in Noah's character is an example for us that we would walk with the Lord, that we would be preachers of righteousness. He's living in a corrupt world. And uh, you know the corruption was reigning. Uh, it's 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 not righteousness and mankind's bearing the fruit of the wicked one, the one that they're following. Noah, as he's following his creator, is bearing the fruits uh, of the Lord in his life. So there's unrighteousness coming from those who aren't seeking the Lord, and there's righteousness in the life of one that is following the Lord. So the earth's corrupt. There's no justice. You know it's filled with violence. That's a that's a scary world. I don't. Uh, this this place is bad, and we know that the corruption is widespread. There's still some justice. There's still some 
some, you know, where we, we can be safe going somewhere occasionally. But just, just think of what happened in um, uh, North Carolina this week. People just walking on a nature trail. Five of them shot to death by some 15-year-old with a gun just because he wanted to. You know, should we should we have to fear going for a nature walk? I I think that's how it was when I read that. You know, should we fear going into a mall? Should we have to be armed? I know you know it, many people in Maine, you know, open carry state, and that that makes people. Uh, we've heard of several things uh, being stopped because of other people being armed. Uh, this is I, I I you just think of should should we have to? It's sad that we live in a place that we have to be armed to protect our families. When I say that, that if you're not a carrier, that's fine. But for those that that that, that do carry, just knowing, well, you know what, I, I'm going to carry this because I don't know if I'm going to go uh, into the shopping mall and some crazy person's going to come in. You know, you've heard of the Walmart shootings across this nation. Just all those things. It's crazy. Filled with violence. It's crazy. We don't know. You know, I'd love to be able to tell my kids, oh, just go into the store. We'll be right back. I've got to worry about can they go in the bathroom without some guy following them in legally. Not happening. Not if I'm there. Right by the collar. You're not going in there. That's not happening. That's the world we live in. It's a frightening world that we live in. It's scary. When we can look and go, hey, I can understand when they say this was happening in Noah's life and this and this. I think it's time to start. If we haven't been, if we haven't been, look up because things are bad. Things are extremely awful right now. There's wars and rumors of wars. All those end times prophecies. All right, there, there's enough going on. We need to be looking up. Genesis chapter chapter six verse thirteen. And God said to Noah, "The end of all flesh has come before me." For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the, uh, with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Its width, width 50 cubits. Its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark. You shall finish it, uh, finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it, uh, make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which the breath, in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, of every creeping thing, on the uh, of the earth after its kind two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive and you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten and you shall gather it to yourself and it shall be food for you and for them thus noah did according to all that god commanded him so he did Verse 13, we look at God's coming destruction. We understand that God's grace allowed for 120 years uh, for the chance for those to repent. But the earth uh, continued uh, in violence and sinfulness. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says, as, uh, So considering uh, the time that they were given. Now, if we consider time that we are given in our lives, we, uh, we operate in our lives under the grace and mercy of Christ. It's our responsibility to use that so that we can walk with Christ. 
Not that we would use it as First Peter 2.16 says, not using liberty as a cloak for vice, for sin, for things to uh, be a vice for us that would, that would hinder us, but as bondservants of God. We're, we, we can walk in freedom of the Lord. Uh, Numbers 14.18 says, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. So we're not looking at an impatient God that, boom, instantly this is going to happen. Second Peter three nine and we did sorry we we do see some of those examples right Ananias and Sapphira right when they came and they lied uh, to the Holy Spirit their lives ended as they were lying to the Holy there are times for that this is widespread world death is what's going to happen for everybody but eight people and two of every kind of creeping thing bird and uh, beast you know this is this is wiping everything out. And the Lord allows for time, for, th for change to happen. It doesn't happen. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I already quoted this, Ezekiel 33. Uh, so say to them, the Lord saying to Ezekiel, As I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? And he's speaking to, to Israel. So this is no, just another example. Do you hear that in the Lord? Turn, turn. It's not like a, you know, if you don't turn, it's, it's please turn. Please turn away. Please turn away to stiff-necked and, and hard-of-heart people. Turn, turn, that, that cry of a father. I don't want to, to destroy you, but I will if I have to. Verse 17, uh, 14 through 17, uh, the Lord tells Noah to build an ark and that a flood is coming. So the ark is a, a, a large boat uh, made of gopher wood is what we, we see. And the Lord tells him to make it with rooms inside it. Eventually, a hope I have that I've explained to Will. I'm like, hey, th this isn't a coincidence that you're going down there. You're, you're, that he, and I was just, this is just, uh, just he and I's conversation that, you know, Jen and I have been serving uh, under his leadership here, the leadership of Will and Lori for 20 years now. I'm like, that didn't happen and that we're, we're, we're still so close that it's not like you're leaving and good riddance. It's anything like, no, the Lord is tying us together. And I told him, I'm like, I hope, and I hope, I hope that the Lord makes this happen that as a church, we can pack up and spend 10 days or whatever, drive to Kentucky, and that all of us who can go will be able to go down and do the Ark Encounter, go to the Creation Museum, and sleep at the church or whatever. You know, put up some cots or, you know, sleep on, you know, these things or whatever and go down. I'm like, I don't know how, how big a group it would be, but wouldn't it be awesome for us all to pool money together, take a bus and go down? And because then we can see that, that ark is built to specs. Now, now when you think of the cubits, because uh, I went onto their website, they built that based on. So there's different interpretation of what a cubit is. Ultimately, anywhere from 17 to 20.4 inches. So 17.4 or five to um, 20.4. So some people are going to say it's this. Okay, average it out around 18 inches. We'll just we'll just say around 18 inches. So. They built that. It's five. With, they were using it with the twenty, the the twenty inch um, uh, span. I almost said span cubit. Uh, that that thing's over five hundred feet long. I mean, this thing's massive. Has anybody been there? You guys have been there. Okay, I can't imagine. Right. So football field, three hundred feet. Okay, so you're getting into over a football field and a half. Okay, that's massive. You wonder why it would take some time to build something like that. If you were standing by it, I would picture it. And you're here, and that's like that. Right. Yeah. Okay, so what, four or five of us in the room have been there? Is that right? You've been there? Six, seven, eight? Yeah. So I would love for our church to experience that, to go down there. We don't have a tie to those. It, maybe it's it's just small groups. You know what I mean? Hey, yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna take a van and eight people go. I don't know, but it would be cool for a bunch of us to pack up and just head down. You know, and uh, and to get down there and to to look at because 
if you, and I'm going to speed up here. I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to drag this. I knew I was, I was hoping to do all of chapter seven. I didn't even do the notes. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to shut up enough uh, to do that. But uh, so we're, we're going to get through hopefully six, Lord willing. We only have a couple pages and I'll speed up my talking because we're about eight minutes away. But just to be able to walk in there, because if you look at a children's book, and Will, Will shared this with us years ago. When you look at the, you know, okay, you got this this cute little lion, and uh, you got the hippopotamus or whatever, and it looks like a, and then the child will grow up and look at that and go, well, that was just a cartoon. You take a kid and go, this is what it looked like. You know, this is built to specs. You know, go for wood. You know, five hundred feet. We'll, we're going to use. I'll, uh, excuse me. I'll give you the the. Uh, uh, the measurements that I have here using the 18 inch, but you're talking about at least 400 feet long, 400, sorry, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. This thing is massive. It's big. And it's got pitch on the inside and outside that water doesn't leak in. It's creating a seal, right? This isn't a caveman. All right, people are going to say, "Oh, the beginning of the world, cavemen," and they're they're chiseling things. No, no, no. These these are you know sixteen hundred years into creation. This is what is being built. You know, he's they've got. Uh, we we learned from uh, when we uh, when we learned of the uh, the sons of of Cain. Uh, one's a metallurgy, the others making uh, instruments, and you know those those types of things. They're, they're creating things. They're intelligent beings. Yeah, they don't have power and all these things. We understand that, but they're not, they're not stupid, Ugh, not able to, to communicate with each other. This was built. It just It's amazing. A window, a, a door. And what we learn in the next chapter, a little spoiler, the Lord shuts them in, right? Oh, there's so much. There's so much cool stuff. So there's three different decks. You know, you got the bottom, the, the first and second floor. You got all these things. And it's just, it's a, a blessing to look and to understand what's going on here. Verse 17, and behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from uh, under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything on, uh, that is on the earth shall die. To know that the world, uh, what the world is like now, uh, and that we're in this... Um, you know, horrible state, as I, I talked about, mass shootings, terrorism, bombings, uh, murders, widespread violence. You know, God decides to destroy everything with a great flood uh, and to keep a very small remnant. So the giver of life has reached a point of regret and um, is now going to take the breath of life from everything that's living. That's a sad thing to read. It really is. The one that breathed life in is about to take that. You know, uh, and I already already talked about the you know the the time uh, that they had in the in the garden, and um, you know that that the Lord would have breathed that breath into Adam and watch him take his first breath, make his wife for for him out of his rib, and uh, you know just spending time with them, and and then the Lord's witnessing the fall, the exile, the murders, the evil thoughts continuously, and. You know, uh, with the exception of eight people and, and a pair of animal, everything's uh, animals and the creeping things and the birds. Uh, everything else is going to be wiped out now. It's a sad. It's a sad picture. But God makes a covenant with Noah. He says, "But I will establish a covenant with you." Verse eighteen. God tells Noah that that he has a plan for Noah to be delivered from his wrath. Uh, and uh, remember some examples in the scripture of God delivering his children before his wrath is poured out. Another point of a contention that might come uh, within Christian uh, Christian uh, circles is tribulation and the rapture of the church. Pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. Not even getting into all of those. Calvary Chapel uh, teaches pre-tribulation, uh, uh, rapture because of examples like this. Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and his family were pulled out. From Genesis 18, Exodus, the Passover, God passed over uh, the uh, those that were his, his children, that were marked, and everybody else died. 
uh, the rapture of the church. First uh, Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 18 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, and with the, uh, the, sorry, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then uh, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Genesis 18, we'll get there, uh, Lord willing, a little ways down the road here. Uh, the, when we're looking at Lot, I brought up Lot as an example. 18.23, and Abraham came near when the Lord said that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham appro approaches the Lord and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And then there's this, uh, you guys are probably familiar with the conversation, right? And Abraham says, if there are 50 in there, will you destroy it? And the Lord says, if there are 50, I won't. If there are 45, will you? If there are 45, there won't. If there are 30, will you? No. If there are 20, no. What if there are, he's asking the Lord, you know, please don't be angry with me. Because no one knows that there aren't. And the Lord knows that there aren't. That was recorded for us. It was recorded for us that we can look and know there weren't 10 people that were seeking the Lord in the whole cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Lord said he would spare. Remember, we've talked about Jonah when he was sent into Nineveh and all those people were going to be killed by the Lord. And God sent Noah to preach to them and Noah, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Jonah to preach to them. And Jonah is all upset. And, and, and the Lord's like, would you rather? These people don't know their right hand from their left. Would you rather them all be destroyed? And the problem was, is Noah, uh, Jonah, my goodness, too many us uh, today. But Jonah didn't want grace and mercy to be poured out upon them. They were wicked. The, the, you know, the Assyrians were awful. Put a hook in your mouth and as they're, they're taking you out and embarrass you and pull you along. And just, just pull a little bit on that to show you how weak you are and how strong they were and how they had it over you. Hook right in your jaw, your mouth, because they were a fishing community. You know, imagine that. You're going to move, right? You know, there, you ever have somebody do the fish hook move on you? A uh, brother or sister wrestling around with you? Whoa, you're, you're going where your fish, the fish hook is. You know, that was awful. So th these Abraham has this discussion with the Lord, and uh, he's he's just asking, and God allows the questions and continues to respond that he is gracious, he is long-suffering, and that his grace and mercy, he's ready to pour it out. Nobody was ready for it. So the animals were to be preserved. Uh, verse uh, 19 says, uh, And of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall uh, be male and female. So male and female, that's uh, how a species survives. So that's how God made the human race, male and female, to be together for mating. And that's what it's for. Um, I know this group and that, and that you all understand that and believe that. You know, uh, that, that uh, that's the natural way of procreation. Male and female. He also tells him uh, that uh, he needs to plan ahead for food. And God gave very specific instructions on what was going to happen. God still gives us instructions. He still speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. Verse 22, uh, it says that Noah, and, uh, I don't want to skip over that. Uh, and that you shall, and it says that uh, two of every kind will come to you. The Lord brought them. It wasn't like they're running around, they're putting a headlock on a zebra and they're trying to drag it in, right? The Lord spoke to a male and female, and, and a, a critics will love to, to mock this. And I'm okay, tell me something better. Tell me, tell me what you've got, because I've got a written record of everything that happened, okay? Don't spend your time arguing. Just say, hey, the scripture says it. The history backs it up. I believe it. I'm, I'm not wasting my time here. Because some of you would say, oh, really? Yeah, so you know, the wild gazelle or whatever would have just come. Yes, because its creator told it to come. And the Lord brought them all. And, they, and, and that's further ahead. I'm getting into chapter 7. But God told him specifically how it was going to work. When God gives instructions, he knows what's going to happen. We can trust him and follow him. And he's going to work things out in our favor. He doesn't call us to do something and not tell us, uh, you know, it, it, like, okay, go do this and figure it out. 
You know, God's going to say, follow me, trust me, do this in your life, and you're going to see this as a result. Okay? Verse 22, we're wrapping it up right here. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. If we only had this verse, uh, we'd know a lot about Noah. If, 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 if it was just this verse, and it just, hey, there was a guy named Noah, and uh, he did all that the Lord commanded him, uh, okay, that's that's a, something we can build on. And go, well, we don't know a lot about him, but, uh, but we know from other things that he walked with the Lord, he was a just man, perfect in his generations, and a preacher of righteousness. That's somebody that the Lord saw and and uh, he found grace in God's eyes, grace in his eyes. It's not that Noah uh, was was perfect. We understand that. No, nobody is perfect except for Christ. Hebrews eleven seven. My last verse for you says, "By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark." for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord based on faith. By grace through faith, right? All the way back in Genesis chapter 6, and we've seen examples already before that, all the way to Ephesians 2. We say by grace through faith, right? It's all through the scripture. God does not contradict himself. He doesn't confuse us. It's all very clear. We can just, if we're trying to figure out, you know, how to live our lives, it's walk with the Lord. <laughs> you know, be a just person. Be one that's seen as somebody who's seeking the Lord in our generation and be a preacher of righteousness by how we live and what we say. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, that we can read of this. This is off, uh, you know, an, an awful thing that, that happened on this earth because of the continual evil thoughts uh, of mankind. And Lord, we know that we are in big trouble here on this, this earth right now. and Things are awful. We pray that we would be salt and light in this world. God, that we would be preachers of righteousness by the way we live and by the words we say, and that you would prepare hearts to hear from us. God, that we would step out when we need to and say uh, things and, and, and uh, just encourage, do what we're called to do. Help us to be people that love you and, and please you, that we would find grace in your eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.